and welcome to our books podcast. We are here today to discuss Delta of Venus by Anna Isnin. My name is Maria and we are with Frida. Hi, hi. And Franek. Hey, thanks for having me. And yeah, we are like, this is our first podcast in a while and we are really, really happy to be here again. And we have some technical problems. So our microphones are like supported by some wine bottles and pasted with some duct tape. So it's a little bit <laughs> like, I don't know how to say it, but it's, this thing's, it's cool, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you have to start somewhere. So yeah. We're making deal with what we have. It's DIY. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. DIY totally style. DIY. <laughs> yes. I think the next one should be more legit. We're gonna receive the... We're gonna receive mic. the proper microphone stands uh, by then. But okay. so far, it's gonna be like this. <laughs> Yes. yes so we are talking to a wine bottle <laughs> <laughs> so you know that um and yeah as uh, we said we are going to discuss delta of venus that is a, a compilation of 15 short stories written by anna isnin in two in uh, 1940 and it was uh, she wrote them as a erotica for a private collector and then they were published in 1977 and um yeah so what did you think about the book, guys? <laughs> uh, big question first. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Um, I have to admit, I did not manage to finish the book. Mm. I thought that it was a very difficult read. Um, I read about half and then I, I was not able to continue. And I know that you have a, yeah, a similar if, if, experience if, if we are uh, yeah if we're playing in the <laughs> with an open hand yeah i also found it extremely hard to finish this book mm. and i failed it's uh, i don't want to say it never happens but this time it happened i i was not able to to finish uh, i want to say because i was i was busy but i also know it's because of the book itself yes. so i'm really happy to yeah. You're not the only one. Not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I read the good, good half of it, and I read the uh, the introduction or the what is it? It's preface, preface. Right? <laughs> which I think a couple of pages of preface, which are selections from Anais Anais mm, journals, were really fantastic. Uh, am I too far from the microphone? I think now, yeah. Now it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the first one. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I've I've found the the preface really interesting, kind of uh, setting up the context for the for the writing of erotica, how they were commissioned by this secret collector who yes. I think originally a nice thing got in touch through Henry Miller in the forties, mm -hmm. uh, and he basically was 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 ordering them uh, a dollar dollar a page or dollar a pop i don't remember now a dollar a page dollar a page yes right? exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah and they were pressed for money yes uh and how kind of inception of this book and the idea of this book was not so much a nice names uh own but it was it was an, an economic necessity that put it to her and then the the cave or whatever you call it however you pronounce it or like the the limitation was or the request was that the, the erotica should exclude the, the poetry the poetry yes yeah so 
Yeah, I mean, I think then I was the only one that I finished the yes. book. <laughs> but I had to say that I had to make an effort. Uh, yeah. Because I, and I was a little bit disappointed because I was really looking forward to read Anna Isnin. I, I never read anything from her. And I was really looking forward to read it. And yeah, I had the same. I started with the preface. And I was super excited because mm. I thought the preface was amazing. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's a strat from her diaries. And I thought it was really, really good. And I started underlining like crazy, like, oh, this is amazing. This yeah. is going to be amazing. And then when the real book started, when the short stories started, I didn't really enjoy them. Mm. Yeah. And I also was expecting, like, I mean, I'm not an expert in erotica, but I was also kind of expecting to get horny or like I mean, to get something. And I didn't. It all started with me saying I wanted to read something erotic and then you proposed this book and I thought that it would get me off. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, it didn't. No. Like, uh, no, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can uh, partake in that. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I didn't want to read a book to like make me horny, but like, yeah. I would think like that would happen yeah. at, the, at times. It, it didn't, but, but maybe it's a very simplistic understanding of what erotica should do. So, so, so that that's I think uh, that's okay. I think what you point towards when you say that the preface was so exciting, the the diary <laughs> part was was really interesting, and then the, the the text which came after was the proper text was actually kind of anticlimactic. It feels mm. like it was two different people writing, uh, yeah, uh, as if it was a different person. And I think yeah. we talked about it. Would really like to. Mm, quote from the preface as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you uh, you have uh, you have this little. Uh, yeah, because it was like I thought it's amazing. I mean, in the preface, Anna is is telling the story about how she managed to read these 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 stories and how she get to them. Right, it's like through Henry Miller that it's like he's telling her like, oh, I know this collector and he's paying for these erotica stories, and then she get in contact with this collector, and then the collector is telling her to uh, stop the poetry mm. and she's a little bit frustrated and all the like writers that are in the circle that are writing for this guy i don't know i imagine like him like an old guy i don't know maybe he wasn't old at all but i'm imagining him as an old guy and all of them were making fun of him and hating him mm. and i really like at some point anna isnin decide to write him a letter that i thought it was amazing it and was i so good yeah and i'm gonna read a little bit mm. and it starts like Dear Collector, we hate you. <laughs> Sex loses all its power and magic when it becomes explicit, mechanical, overdone, when it becomes a mechanistic obsession. It becomes a bore. You have taught us, more than anyone I know, how wrong it is not to mix it with emotion, hunger, desire, lust, wins, caprices, personal ties, deeper relationships that change its color, flavor, rhythms, intensities. You do not know what you are missing by your microscopic examination of sexual activity to disclosure of aspects which are the full that ignites it, intellectual, imaginative, romantic, emotional. This is what gives sex its surprising textures, its subtle transformation, its aphrodisiac elements. You are shrinking your wall of sensations. You are withering it, starving it, draining its blood. And it continues like that. Yeah. But I thought it was amazing. And it was like, I actually read the preface at the beginning, like when I started reading the book. And then at the end, I decided to read the preface again. And when I read this, I was like, okay, this is kind of exactly what I felt with this book. Yeah. 
I felt that it was kind of dry. It was mm. missing something. Mm. Mm. So yeah. 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 I yeah, uh, 100%, but like, you go. No, so, sorry. <laughs> I read the preface again earlier today, and it got, like, I just remember all of these exciting feelings I had towards the beginning, like, yay, mm. now maybe I will mm -hmm. read something nice, erotic, and maybe she will have overcome all of these, uh, mm -hmm. like, maybe she will have managed to get the poetry in there mm -hmm. and make it nice, but I just, I didn't get that feeling at all. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it becomes bore. It becomes a bore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like she describes. <coughs> but I think what kind of puts another twist on the on the context of why she decided to publish the book is that she says that uh, for the long time she felt that uh, she has compromised her feminine self in writing the text. I quote here from from the preface as well, and uh, she says that uh, reading these p pages many years later, I see that my own voice was not completely suppressed. In numerous passages, I was intuitively using a woman's language, seeing sexual experience from a woman's point of view. And so I finally decided to release the erotica for publication because it's, it shows the beginning efforts of a woman in a world that had been the domain of men. Mm. Yeah. So I was excited because she m explicitly makes a point that, well, she did reduce her language to just this sheer mechanic kind of uh, boring mm. uh, uh, pornographic imagery that that's not erotic. And uh, then she kind of contradicts it by saying that on a rereading later, she discovered some sort of femininity, femininity in, yeah. in the voice. Mm. So I was kind of excited to see this tension in the book mm. as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I could not really register it. No. no. No, and I was also like, I was thinking about like, is this a feministic book or like, is this a, like a kind of like a feminine way to, to write erotica? And then I couldn't really find it. But then also, I think we have to think about the context because it was written in 1940s, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, it's maybe like one of the first times that a woman is totally, reading yeah. like erotica. And um, yeah, and I think I like the point like, yeah, like, for the first time it's like it's, it's a book written by a woman where like she talks about sex and sex is not linked to emotions it's like women i mean in a way women are kind of liberated so they can enjoy sex even if i think that is super crazy i mean this is not sex this is rape mm. but we can talk about mm. that later <laughs> like like all the women are abused in this book mm. um but in a way they are kind of like liberated i mean there are a lot of sex workers and they are like I think I really like how she treats sex workers, for example. It's mm. like they are like powerful women and um, and they have their own like desires and everything. And these things like this thing that is like it doesn't have to be romantic. I kind of like was thinking like, OK, this is maybe like something new for the time. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this kind of makes me think of this. Mm, of this idea that I came across uh, watching uh, endless videos on YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to understand uh, the losing Guattari. And then there is this explanation of, of one of the loosest uh, concepts of anti-representation. Mm -hmm. And it kind of invites, the, invites us to think about things that are supposed to be thought of as representations, not as representations, but rather as things in their own rights and not ask a question of how good of a representations of something else something is in that case 
I guess we shouldn't ask how good a representation of a sexual life this erotica is, but rather the other question that, that the Deleuze would, ask us, would, would like us to ask is, what can this new thing do? Mm-hmm. And I really like it because I think it really frees you to kind of open yourself to just take the most positive twist and the most kind of productive twist on, on anything you come across. And I think a little bit like what you say, like if we just read it as a poor approximation of what it is to, to have a desire and what it is to have sex, it's, it's, it's definitely impoverished. But as a thing that comes out that's written in the 40s, that's the first, the first one of the first texts to be written by a female author that kind mm-hmm. of speaks to the liberation of, of the sexuality from a women's perspective and is, is, is courageous and brave enough and like a very playful from mm. what I understand from the yeah. pieces. Like that's something that's, and that's great. And like, of course, text has its limitations, inevitably, because it was yeah, commissioned to be the way it is. Mm. Yeah. So this we can complain about, but <laughs> but it does something really really great. So. <coughs> yeah, and something also I was thinking like when I was reading like that you also mentioned is like I was wondering myself is this erotica because I was I was thinking it was erotica but while I was reading it it was like is this erotica or this is porn because mm. for me it looks more than porn because it I I don't know if it's because it loses this poetic side mm. mm-hmm. that then it doesn't become like everything is so explicit and everything is so like mm. to the point right it's, and it's there is no like I don't know how to describe it but there is no this like nice kind of like uh, build up or anything it's just yeah. like mm. he put my fingers into my he put yeah. his fingers into my sex like Ugh. yeah yeah and then <laughs> it's 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 not erotic in that way it's more pornographic and yeah. i mm. i i didn't enjoy that really so much no. like yeah. it was uh no i also was like kind of like oh this is brutal like mm. like the first forest stories it was like they were uh, so unpleasant yeah mm. I mean, they were super unpleasant this guy <laughs> raping his children yeah. and then it's oh. like the other guy like he wants to cut the vagina of the woman and i was oh. like this is not erotic guy yeah. <laughs> this is no. fucking disturbing and <laughs> yeah. yeah i, I mean, don't know I think it speaks to the to this notion that 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 erotica should be transgressive mm. and should make us feel uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, I think this is this is one thing uh, that yeah that that makes us feel uncomfortable. Mm. Like it's it's supposed to, and I guess it's it's, it's graphic and it trans- transgresses the the norms that we used to and it depicts things that we don't necessarily wanna see or mm-hmm. hear. Mm. Uh, but I, I want to come back a little bit to the point <coughs> you raised about the difference between the the erotic and the pornographic. And I like to think this one with uh, a favorite of mine, Roland Barthes, <laughs> yeah. who uh, in his book on photography, which is one of my favorite books called uh, Camera Lucida, mm, uh, he distinguishes between the erotic and between a pornographic photography. And I pulled up some quotes because I think they are pretty useful and applicable also in thinking about any sort of depiction uh, of of sexuality in general. So, <coughs> in as uh, commenting on this difference, he says that there is nothing more homogeneous than a pornographic photograph photography. It is always a naive photograph, without intention and without calculation, uh, like a shop window which shows only one illuminated piece of jewelry. It is completely constituted by the presentation of only one thing sex 
No secondary untimely object ever manages to have conceal, delay or distract. Pornography ordinarily represents the sexual organs, like what you say, like he put fingers inside mm -hmm. me, and it's like making them into a motionless object, a fetish, flattered like an idol that does not leave its niche. For me, there is no punctum in the uh, pornographic image. At most, it amuses me, and even them, and even them, because uh, boredom follows quickly. The erotic photograph, on the other, uh, on the contrary, and this is its very condition, does not make the sexual organs into a uh, central object. It may very well not show them at all. It takes the spectator outside its frame. And it is there that I animate this photograph and that it animates me. And I guess what he speaks to is that erotica for him uh, has to leave something concealed. Like yeah. it just cannot just 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 show everything as it mm -hmm. is it just has to appeal to our imagination it has to leave a space that is untold that we then have to fill in in some way yeah <laughs> and and i guess yeah that's what he means also using this notion of punctum which is for him this this place of a photographic image that kind of attracts the attention and and, and appeals to us in a certain way that is not obvious and i think pornography does not have it at all it's the no. antithesis in a way and in that sense, I would say a lot of Delta of Venus mm. is, yeah, it's rather pornography than erotica. Than erotica. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, and I think it's also because it's this thing like, okay, what happens when you leave the poetry? When you are writing something and you're leaving the poetry, mm. then it's like, then it becomes something dry or it becomes just images, right? So it's like, I think that's the reason why I found the, all the stories kind of the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, I couldn't, I mean, I, I when I finished the book, I couldn't really remember like this. Of course, I remember like some mm. scenes because they are they are a little bit <coughs> hard and disturbing. Yeah. Mm. But uh, <coughs> yeah, I think it missed the, the beauty, the beauty mm. of the writing. And I was also like, I don't know, I was thinking about the story of the eye when I was reading this book. Mm. And I was like, I was kind of horny with the story of the eye, even if it was still like disturbing and like, mm like some passages were really horrible. And mm. I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, why I could get horny with the story of the eye and why I cannot get horny with this book that is also kind of disturbing and like hard and there is rape and there is mm. like horrible things happening. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't really know how to explain. But is there, is there some sort of uh, acid test? Like if you do get aroused, that's, that's a good erotica or if you don't, it's bad or like, how do you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's like, you have to get horny to call it good erotica. But the thing is like, I didn't get horny, but I didn't find the text beautiful neither. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I didn't think like, okay, this is super mm. well written. Like, like yeah. I found the preface. The mm. preface, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. It was like, okay, this is really well written. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't find that with the stories. So mm. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when we, sp when, we, when we talk about leaving out the poetry, we have to remember that there is much more that she's invited to leave out. It's... Uh, uh, in the preface again, uh, he, the collector says, mm, oh, oh, like it's a comment on him. Oh, he likes everything. It's all wonderful. But he likes it better when it is a narrative, just storytelling, no analysis, no philosophy. Mm. And then he says, like, concentrate on the sex, leave out the poetry. And then she says, and then he says further, it's fine, but leave out the poetry and descriptions of anything but sex. Concentrate on sex. So it's like, there's way more than poetry, even it's just this, this, <coughs> Yeah, this very simplistic in a way obsession, which I guess 
I can imagine this can also somehow be something that's interesting and seductive in a way mm. in its in its bareness but for some reason it it doesn't do this in these sh stories mm, yeah uh, and and I can't really put my finger on like what is it that makes them so kind of they kind of like enter with one of my eyes mm -hmm. and they exit with another mm. and I, yeah. I, I don't retain them there is not much of memorable uh, about them well i have to say that I, I remember them because i thought they were a little bit disturbing like okay there's this guy that is cutting a vagina and then there is this this marriage that, that she doesn't want to have sex with him and so so he started giving drugs to her and i thought that was fucking horrible yes. it's like yeah, and yeah. i thought it was like okay why like why is like this is nobody saying that this is rape and it's like no mm. she's having sex with him it's like no she's not having sex with him she's been abused it's like she's been raped mm. so i was kind of like wondering like why and yeah like also like i found all the characters kind of the same mm -hmm. but i guess that's also like maybe kind of seen as like from a woman's perspective mm -hmm. because i mean yeah you and me <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, whereas like as a woman, I think you have a completely different view on sex than a man, and like mm. maybe what is sex to a woman can be like what is rape to a woman can be sex to a man, and like, mm. uh, but this is written by a woman, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm I'm a little bit confused by this so yeah. somehow. Like, yeah, uh, I was I was curious to hear your thoughts how it maps on the well, if you can be taken as representatives <laughs> of <laughs> feminine, uh, if you can speak as the yes, anecdote for like women's sensitivity, like. Does it map somehow? Do you? I mean, as I said, I kind of like the, the point that, that she, she kind of managed to leave the emotions aside. Like, okay, like as a woman, we can also have desires. And I, I think I, that's, that's a point that I like in the book, that I see like all the women are like, kind of like really powerful mm -hmm. and really like independent. And mm. uh, it's like, okay, and, and they have desires and they have yeah. sexual desires that are not linked with emotions. Okay. And I kind of like that. But then it's like, always at the end of the stories they always end up being abused yeah yes, and it's like, the man who comes and to it's the uh, man yeah. who comes and abuse him and it's like for example this this old uh, sex worker this uh, biju i think it's called mm -hmm. that she's mm -hmm. super powerful at the beginning and she's also uh, she appears in different stories and then in one of the stories she falls in love with this basque guy mm -hmm. and then he ended up abusing her and humiliating her and it was like why they all ended up yeah. like this mm -hmm. yeah but can you uh, can you explain a little bit more when you say you are you find it as a as a as a positive thing about the book that the the emotions are taken out like what what do you mean by that I, I mean that it's like that we as women mm -hmm. we can also have sex desires mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be linked with emotions mm -hmm. i mean we don't have to fall in love to have sex yeah okay, and that's, that's something right. maybe yeah. that is something new for the 40s and that mm -hmm. was something that i was thinking mm -hmm. about yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking for a, for a while if, I mean, as every text we read it from our like time pers historical time perspective, from like the perspective of the twenty twenty two, is it now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess oh, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if like, how did this uh, text uh, vintage and how did it get old? I mean, do we? Does it still speak to? Like, does it give us anything now? Do we read it? Do we kind of? also dismiss it perhaps a little bit because we are so we live in a society which is so overflowing yeah. with mm. pornography and erot uh, like uh, sexism and like 
instrumentalization of like sexuality and body and advertisement and whatnot so like are we just desensitized like is it a part of it yeah i think it is i think it was this like probably these stories were like really new for the time mm. but right now it's like oh this is kind of like for me it was like really manly and it's like and i was surprised because it's like okay this is supposed to be like feministic erotic and i found it like oh this is this is really like this macho porn mm -hmm. that you can find in Pornhub or yeah, whatever yeah, it's yeah. like okay yeah i'm gonna fuck you here it's like, <laughs> yeah, this thing like it's like i yeah i don't know and i yeah i think it's because it became old and yeah nowadays we are used to like we are kind of much more liberated than mm. it was in the 40s so yeah i think that's that's the point that we maybe have to analyze it in the context yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that uh yeah that's that's uh that that's definitely makes makes a lot of sense but i okay put it differently i when i realized i'm incapable of taking this text it also pushed me to kind of try to understand why okay and mm, then, yeah. then i felt then i remember that uh, you mentioned the story of the eye I have yeah. a book. I never, I never finished it either. No, but okay. I remember <laughs> there was a an essay by Susan Zontag from mm. 1967, I think, called "The Pornographic Imagination," in which she she performs a defense of pornography as a genre or tries mm. to analyze it. Mm. I, I, from what I understand, pornography has been analyzed prior in the American literary criticism because she speaks to some of these critics, but she criticizes them for being short-sighted and kind of not open to mm, appreciate pornography as mm, a respectable subgenre of, yeah. of, of literature so in that sense she's in the avant-garde of of thinking about it and she i pulled up some quotes from it because i found she has some really interesting observations and things to say uh on the uh, maybe on the what was the what was the ones that I liked? The one I liked, for instance, was that uh, she talks about mm, <laughs> yes, she talks about the the pornographic nature of experiences, and on that she says, experiences aren't pornographic; only images and representations, structures of imagination, are. So I found it interesting. I found this interesting this idea that this difference between pornography or erotica yeah. does not mm. happen on the level of the actual happening no. but it happens then like in the filtering of it through, yeah. through through text and image and literature or whatnot uh and that really kind of puts the writer on the spot suddenly mm. uh and i found this i i, I it also speaks to like how this is a construct it mm. it's you know it's, it doesn't exist out there there's mm. not like nothing inherently <laughs> pornographic or inherently erotic no. in, its, in its own right so i found this like it's it, it's it's nothing new if like you you realize well of course but it's the way she puts it it was kind of like mm. ah yes the well the way to you you build it right yeah it's i think i think it just goes to show that like these these distinction obviously like you could say they are in the so like in the eye of the beholder or in the eye of the person who then like testifies to them mm. uh, in a way so I think this was this was a pretty pretty interesting point but mm, then she then she also makes this point uh, about like what makes pornographic work and she means pornographic uh, 
uh, also in like in, in like the positive sense, I think in the way she would embrace Delta of Venus, mm. like the work doesn't have to be erotic to, mm. to kind of have any value. She thinks pornography has its has its value uh, as well mm, because it uh, she says that uh, pornography uh, tests the frontiers of consciousness and has an almost sacred role in secular society. So she sees in pornography this means of transgressing the norms and testing things she mm -hmm. thinks of a, of the writer as a person who kind of on behalf of society goes out there where nobody wants to go yeah tests the limits and comes back and reports back i think it was a really interesting yeah. idea yeah yeah i was also wondering where i was reading it like is this like is she making up these stories or mm. is he something that is based like in something here or something like even her real life because but you you said earlier that she was raped by her yeah, father yeah, and she was you can see that in some of the the first stories that she wrote that some girls they are raped by their father yeah and yeah yeah and also like i was thinking like i think there's this this long story called elena uh, and i was thinking like that it looks a little bit like her relationship with henry miller because henry miller was married while yeah. he was with her so i was wondering like all these stories like okay is this makeup or is like something that happened to mm. her or is like yeah so that's like it's out of fiction or like mm. yeah yeah <laughs> i mean this maybe there is some more answers in the diaries I yeah think. yeah if, i really want to read yeah the if anything <laughs> i really want to read the diaries as well i mm. mean it's just uh just the flair and the language is, is yeah yeah. absolutely fantastic uh, yeah. i was also thinking about like this uh, freud book uh, this um something with the sex like the perversions because i mean everything is so perverted in this book right mm. there are like all these crazy things that they are doing in sex and it's like and then i also read that anna isnin was a psychoanalyst for a mm. while I was thinking like, yeah, maybe she was also using some of the studies there. Some of the, yeah, some of the inputs from her. Well, you think she was psychoanalyzing people or was she? Yeah, I don't know. That's I was wondering like, how did she write to these stories and how did she come to write mm. these things? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't she describe in a previous how it was a little bit of like a jamming with friends as well? Like people would come over yeah. and share the stories. It, I think that what I when I referred to it earlier, I think it's kind of humorous and joyous. I think the process of of make of writing the stories. Mm. Yeah, I think that they were kind of having like they, I mean they were hating the collector, but at the same time they were having fun. Like okay, we're gonna send this story and see if he likes it. Uh, and he was he always likes the, the like the worst stories or like the the most perverted ones. Mm. <laughs> yeah. mm. But I guess I mean writing erotica can also be fun, especially like. Uh, I guess they had fun while yeah. writing it like and they would gather around and like share experiences and then they would make them into stories and like <coughs> that can also uh, yeah I yeah mean, I, I, uh, there is so much potential in that I, yeah. at least when I think about it and like just sharing stories that are normally not shared like mm. uh, you know uh, according to the rules that was like society is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. is built according to these are not really things that are mm, i mean at least uh, declaratively to be shared of course we do share it and we talk about it and mm. it's something about it's kind of like mm, it's not like what you're gonna talk about over <laughs> dinner with your like family or no something. not it's with like, my mother for sure yeah, it's <laughs> like so like there is this liberating energy to, to sharing that and i think it really i really like that part when she mm says like how much of fun it was and how mm. i mean 
yeah it's it's it's, it's it speaks against the the kind of repressive nature of the of the society that we live in and mm. i think again like susan zontag had this uh, had this quote in that context a little bit on the very existence of pornographic society which uh, again and here the quote the quote goes is uh, that the pornographic society is a society so hypocritically and repressively constructed that it must inevitably produce an effusion of pornography as both its logical expression and its subversive demonic antidote. So because these things are not allowed any space in our, or like, again, that was like Susan Zontag speaks of mm. the like, like at the heyday of uh, like uh, 68 revolution and we are like way later. So maybe it's not 100% applicable but still there is big parts of our society that are that are very very uh, repressive i think mm. and this this like you can only repress that much like the, the it has to come out somewhere and like it has to come out somewhere and it will also reveal like this like demonic uh, what she call it like demonic antidote mm. and i really like the antidote part yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, it can be something through which we can become healthier yeah yeah, and it's also like I was also thinking when I was reading the book, oh my God, I've been super conservative that I'm like hating this kind of like, oh, I'm anti-porn or this. Mm. And it's not that I'm anti-porn. It's just that I, I don't know, I found it dry. So it's like, is this being conservative or, or not being like open-minded? I don't know. I don't think these are the categories that apply. No, I no. also don't think so. No. I mean, I don't know. It's... It has, uh, it, it has nothing to do with conservatism. No, Isn't no, it but it's, more of a it's because I was thinking like, okay, if, if you think about it, this book has like everything. I mean, it has homosexuality. I mean, it has like these two, like these three girls that are making like a threesome mm. at some point. Mm. So it's like, I'm, in a way, it's, it's, it's a kind of a really open book for yeah. like the times. Mm. Totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I mean, there are like everything of sex, like it's sado, it's like, there are many things so as i was thinking like why why i'm finding this disturbing it's mm. like is it mm. me or is it the book itself i but don't I know. think it's because it's written with yeah all the poetry is taken out of it and it's just so brutal and dry and yeah. dry yeah 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 mm. i think yeah to me what was definitely missing was some Mm, it's this kind of ahistorical free-floating kind of just happening of the acts and by that mean i mean they are not really a part of any plot that keeps mm. them together in any proper no. sense of yeah. the term it's just plot is just there like at a very bare minimum mm. like a skeleton of a plot just to kind of link scenes together and again zontag defends pornography in the, in the just de declaring that this is a structural element of that genre and we should just not be critical of it in that sense because it's a necessity of some sort mm. because it allows to focus on different things but i i found this just very very resistant and very unreadable because mm. i think to me erotica is also in a way linked to life it's, it's 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 maybe an extension or maybe it's some sort of outcome of other kind of not explicitly erotic mm, parts of your life so like if you cut all this build up and all this context and all this horizon around it <coughs> mm. and just single out the thing it kind of 
it's not the same thing anymore. <laughs> it's just something else. Yeah. Like it misses this whole, it can be joyous, it can be painful, it can be dramatic, it can like, you know, like you can have like a build up to it, you can have like an afterglow, you mm. could have like all sorts of things, but the moment you cut it all out or like only present it rudimentary, you actually also affect the very thing, but, but, but it's like, like it's, it's, it's just putting it against, I don't know, like, to use some sort of metaphor, like it's like seeing a tree in a landscape or just like, like I don't know, uprooting a tree and putting it against like mm. a mm. wide screen. It's mm. like tree is the same, but mm -hmm. at the same time it's just mm. so different. So yeah. I think I was missing this background noise yeah. of life. It was just uh, sex, like a smelly sex. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> if you leave out all these things, it's just like water smells, yeah. right? <laughs> <So> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just like what else to say. I mean, I have I wrote here like, is this the fifty shades of gray of the time? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's like, yeah. I Maybe mean, it, it was published after, so I don't know what it's like. What was the reception like in the seventy seventy? I did not do my research. No, <laughs> no, me neither. No, um, yeah. I was kind of. Have any of you read the Necrophiliac? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. And I loved it. I I absolutely loved it. I thought yeah. that it was amazing. But I loved um, it because it's so well written. Yeah, it was extremely well yeah. written. Mm. Uh, it's been a while since I read it, but I was just thinking of the necrophilia while I read this book. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't horny with the necrophilia. No, me neither. Me no. neither. But, <laughs> <laughs> but also not with this book. I mean, no. no. Uh, context for people who are not familiar. No. Okay, so the necrophilia is a book uh, written by Gabriel. Gitkop, yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, it's basically the story of a guy that is necrophiliac and yeah. is also written like in diary, in a diary yeah, yeah, form. Yeah. So mm. it tells and it's like, like from the sixties or seventies or something. Yeah. Uh, in France, also. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, and it tells the story of him, like how he goes to the cemeteries and steal the bodies, and then yeah. it's like it's really. Uh, really descriptable. I mean, you, you, she really describes like mm. the bodies and the smells and the mm. feelings and yeah. all the things. So it's like it's disgusting. Like oh wow. Well. Yeah. But it's. I thought it was super beautiful. I also thought it was amazing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, okay, so like, if I can ask them, like, what made it beautiful or amazing, as opposed to what this was missing? I wish I had it here with <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't. Okay, um, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot read an extract, but I think it's, it's, it was this thing, it was like, it's the way that it's written, that is mm -hmm. super beautiful and is super poetic, I mm -hmm. think. In the beginning of the book, he digs up this uh, young girl from, mm -hmm. she was like just buried and then he digs her up and takes her home and mm -hmm. have sex with her or whatever. And then she like pukes up this like green bile or okay. something. And it's but like, like, it's very okay. disgusting, but it's just, it's not, it's gross to read, but it's just so beautiful at the same time. Like it's, uh, yeah. it's like it's this kind of disturbing, like, oh fuck, this is so disgusting, but can, it's so beautiful. But you can feel that he's really aroused by this. Yeah. Like you can, you can okay, tell. So, yeah, cause I'm trying to, to like kind of comprehend the, the kind of lines of tension that come together because as we said a lot of nin is disturbing as mm. well it's super yeah. disturbing but yeah, then yeah. it's like it does not do the thing because it lacks the beauty and mm. like a, like but then it's such a such a and like uh, hard quality to like grasp like well yeah. what is the beauty of the text mm. like i mean just sometimes just reading is the only answer like you just have to yeah. kind of be in it and feel yeah. it 
uh, I think that's what, yeah, like undeniably that book was missing. It, 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 there was not a moment where I would just forget that I was reading, you know? Yeah. I just like turn the next page yeah. and just be like, oh, wow, like, uh, it, I was always conscious, like, oh, I'm just, okay, next page, next page. I have to go through it. And uh, it yeah. was very hard to lose yourself mm -hmm. in the text because text was not accommodating. Uh, yeah. And I mean, again, fair game. She admits it. She she talks about it in that way. She, <laughs> It's not like she fools us. No. Although, as I said, this very final comment from the preface kind of points towards something else beyond this mm. this dryness that I think never materializes. Yeah. Uh, so maybe here a little a little disappointment. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's surprising that because at the beginning she didn't want these stories to be published. Mm. But then it's like, yes, it changed her mind as, as you mm. read at the yeah. beginning, like... And she decided to publish them. And I was mm. wondering, like, oh, yeah, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. Because this is like this kind of, like, it's a job, right? Like, mm. me, for example, that I'm an illustrator or whatever. It's like I have my illustrations that I like to show to people. But then mm. I have other ones that is like, okay, I'm just doing this because they are paying me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking, okay, she's doing the same. It's like mm. she was just yeah. writing these stories because she need to pay mm. the rent or whatever. For a dollar a page. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. like, why did you decide to publish them? And then, yeah, I understand that maybe she wanted to point out that it's mm. like okay this is like the first time that a woman mm. is really yeah. like doing this mm. so yeah. yeah yeah i think yeah and i think if you if you take her at face value what she says that that's really what it is she says that again it shows the beginning efforts of a woman in a world that had been the domain of men and i mean yeah that's that's what it does yeah. it's, it's kind of functional it's like it is a Thing that serves that role regardless of its kind of content she doesn't say suddenly i was so happy with what i've written and i no, really yeah. appreciated the certain qualities of the voice or mm. no she just says well historically that's that serves this purpose mm. uh, so i mean points for honesty for sure but yes i don't know the text uh, the text i mean you could perhaps read it as a critique of kind of this simplistic uh, reductivist thinking of sex mm. that could be then attributed to some form of like very simple-minded masculinity because yeah. mm. if this book is supposed to be an answer to a erotic taste and imagination of the collector who's is like a male figure and represents yeah. mm. as a very simplistically yeah, this like reductionist way of thinking about sex i guess could be yeah just like to have sex like then climax and after climax like nothing matters and like mm. it's just this like you know like fulfilling a desire or need that just like then just dematerializes and actually nothing is important afterwards mm. it's like if that's su supposed that te these texts are supposed to be a caricature of that type of thinking then mm. i guess yeah fair and well done. Yeah, and I, I mean, mean that's, that's it's a way. Terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's a way to get into this world, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, this is this being a men's world. Now I'm I'm gonna put my foot on it, and mm. I'm gonna write these stories, mm. and I'm gonna show you that I can do it as well as you do it. I mm, mean, yeah. that way is like, okay, yeah, mm. bravo. Mm. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I don't know. Any? Yeah. Did we have what else did we have here? I don't have anything else. Maybe no? we should wrap up. Uh, sure, I mean... Yeah. Or do you want to say something else, No, Frank? no, no, I've quoted <laughs> everything and I feel like I've talked too much anyway. Yeah, so no, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. 
Frida, you uh, have something else? No, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Detransition Baby. Yeah. By Tori Peters. Yes. Yes. So that will be our next podcast. Yes. And thanks uh, to be here right today. Yeah. Thanks, Franek. Oh, it was, a, it was a pleasure. It was really nice to hear your thoughts as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> See you and next see month. You, hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.